When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know about you, Jason, but I, I'm super thankful to have Nando for this episode. Good God. Oh, because we, we have a political scientist? We've completely <laughs> changed tones. Yeah. We just did a completely different show for a whole episode there. Very drastically different, but you can't repeat that tone. It's a hard note to play twice in a row. If you love me, please don't judge me. Got my hands tied. The power's above me. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just a puppet here. If you want to place blame, then look to the puppeteer. Family, fortune, envy, jealousy, privilege, passed on, legacy, secret, sabotage, borderline, felony, suicide, subtract, selfish, pedigree. Welcome to another episode of Machiavellian Fucks, our succession Roy cast that's the target of all kinds of misadventure. I'm Jason Madison, alongside Nando Vila, my Beltway Buddha, and Anthony Mays, who's showing a bit of the collective leg. What's going on, fellas? Greg the leg. <laughs> Doing well. Doing well. Can't complain. You know, Time just to pick uh, the next president, you guys. Seriously, it's no big deal. I mean, we just go from, you know, existential threat to the company, um, maybe a takeover for a new family. They survived that. Now they're just casually picking a next president like, like you were picking out. A new pair of underwear. Yep, they just uh, wipe their hands, wash their hands of that, and on to the next uh, takeover of the American democracy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and it's uh, it's true. Uh, you know, there is uh, an element of truth to this that we live in kind of a sham democracy. We have for a long time. Um, Men in smoke-filled rooms have picked presidents in the past. This is not the first time that has happened, and uh, it won't be the last, certainly. So succession, if you think it's exaggerating uh, real life, not really. Right. And so we have our trio of candidates to choose from. A lot of new we characters have- <laughs> for a show that hasn't introduced... I mean, Adrian Brody was a, like a one-episode... Mm-hmm. We go to his island type thing. But for the most part, we've been dealing with the same people for a long time. And they, of course, are all familiar faces. You've got Steven Root, Milton from Office Space. Yeah. Yeah. Also in Barry, he plays basically another Logan type heavy hitter. Then you've got the three candidates. Justin Kirk, for the brother from Weeds, plays yeah. Jared Mankin. You got Reed Burney who I guess was eventually the vice president on House of Cards and is now the vice president again as Dave Boyer, the lick lipper, the lip licker, the lick licker, <laughs> the, lip, the lip licker. And Yul Vasquez is Rick Salgado, who's in Russian Doll and most recently an HBO recycled show, The Outsider. So mm. bunch of new faces, bunch of new messages. It was a little overwhelming. Yeah, it was a lot overwhelming for me because... Like you said, we're so used to being insulated in this family with these characters. And then they don't just throw one at you. They throw a whole gaggle of <laughs> Republican candidates for you to 
decipher their backgrounds, their intentions and everything all at once. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, uh, it was so drastic, uh, the, the tonal shift that they had to do uh, a lot of like expository dialogue in the opening act, uh, where they were like, Hey, Greg, come here. Let me explain to you what this event is as if like that would ever happen in real life. Like that he would just show up at an event, you know, like Greg would never just be there. Why First is Greg he there? He wouldn't be there, but if he was there, like he would know what it was by the time that he got there. Instead of like, like they have to do it at the event. It's like this is the, you know, uh, the freedom feature freedom summit or whatever, um, where like-minded uh, ideologues and, and donors get together to discuss the issues of the day. Um, and then Tom is like, AKA, we're picking the next president. It's like, oh, I see. This is the episode. Right. It's almost like he says the title of the episode right there. Um, Greg is just kind of the most expensive, sentient tote bag at this point. He just comes along with the Roy family wherever they go and <laughs> gets tossed around to and left in the back of the car whenever they are doing their bidding. Um, yeah, when they're doing yeah. the actual selection <laughs> process, there's that moment where they say, is, does he need to be here for this? Yeah. And Logan's like, yeah. just, just shut up. Just get in the yeah. corner and don't say anything. Yeah, he's minimizing his Greg window. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, it was interesting how they played the dynamics of the Republican Party through the three candidates, right? Each representing their uh, own ideological wing. You have your um, longtime uh you know just in the dc beltway uh dave boyer he's there to please all donors all big money you know whatever their interests are he is willing to bend and <laughs> break for that uh which logan doesn't love right logan is like yeah i've played that game i'm i'm looking for something new right and um Honestly, I think that's Logan's vibe right now. He's looking for something new. He's he's you know, he's got the uh the little assistant. He's he's digging on her and he's 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 trying to find some new energy in his life right now. You know, he had that heart scare. It looks like he's looking to spice things up, you know. Yeah. Back in no, the saddle and- literally just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, like just he almost died last episode or had like his mind, you know, absolutely break in the last episode and now he's just like totally in command in control just navigating the the political world with like just a degree of 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 dominance you know like he again he 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 does these kind of tests um and logan we've talked about it before uh, which is like you know similar to a lot of powerful rich guys like surround himself surrounds himself with sycophants but then is desperately yearning for someone to like kind of not take his bullshit, you know, and just kind of stand up to him a little bit. And like when Dave Boyer just goes like, basically like, tell me what you need me to do, bro. Like uh, I'll do whatever the fuck you want. You know, Uh, you know, he, Logan sees him with, with resentment as, as weak, you know, like as the, frankly, the, the fucking party hack bootlicker that he is, you know, he senses that that type of person, um, even though like you think you have to do all these things to win and it's true, you have to do you have to you have to lick the boot if you want to become president of America, um, whether your name is Barack Obama or whether your name is George W. Bush. Um, it doesn't matter. But the point is, the guys who win are the guys who do it in a way that maintains a sense of like, I don't want to say independence, but that they can that they maintain their dignity and manhood intact. That they don't they don't do it in such an obvious 
way. And the guys who do do that ultimately end up falling by the wayside. You know, people can kind of sense weakness, you know, so you have to be both strong in, in character and personality um, and will, but also an operator at the same time. And those are the guys who become president. For sure. Um, and then we have, uh, is it Rick Salgado? Yeah. Is he yeah. a Marco Rubio type? Like, what are they doing yeah, with this yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's, yeah. <laughs> he, he's trying to be like, you know, the, the show's trying to, is trying to make in him kind of what they call of the, the reformicons, which are uh, a group of guys who are, you know, Republicans, conservatives, um, kind of Ross Douthat types, or there's this other guy named Rehan Salam, who's like the kind of intellectual type of these, uh, of this kind of wing where they like genuinely believe that the Republican party needs to, uh, figure out a way to deliver gains to working class people. Um, and they just feel like, the, and they just feel like they need to do it through the Republican party rather than through, rather than through the Democrats for whatever reason, um, mostly because of culture issues like that they, you know, maybe don't believe in abortion or just think that the Democrats are just fucking, you know, uh, disgusting, uh, you know, <laughs> communists or something. So they, they, and they are a tiny, super, super, super tiny uh, minority within the party, but are always get like a ton of media coverage. Um, and yeah, he represents kind of something like that. Um, some kind of triangulator, you know, that he was like, there's that moment where he's like arguing with Minkin and he's like, well, what about like, you know, uh, American workers and what are we going to do for them? And Minkin's like, go fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. They, they um, are, they are the idea of the Republican party that the Republican party wants to present to the media. Yeah, right. They're the, they're too <laughs> stupid to to not realize that 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 whole thing is supposed to be a fucking pose, you know. Exactly. They like take it seriously because they're because they're because they're idiots, you know. And exactly. they take it seriously and they think like, oh, this is going to happen, and it's just never going to happen. It's always going to be, they're always going to bump up against the the brutal realities of of power on on the American right. Exactly, and so the the fucked up part about that is is that the guy who's running should be smart enough to know that he could never win a position at the seat of power in that party, but for whatever reason he doesn't. So yeah. he thinks that that, that style is going to win over. And it's like, no, you're just a meat shield for everything else that we're going to do. You, you're never going to win because you're, you're, you have this idea of integrity that does not jive well with anything no. that we're interested in. Yeah. So, you're just a, a naive dumbass is what you are. You yeah, know? It's just exactly. Like a, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, so he, he, he really never has um, a chance. And in that way, um, me rewatching the episode, it made me rethink Shiv's positioning, which I guess I'll probably hit a little bit later, but no, I, I think we should th get. I think we should get into that now because <laughs> yeah. okay, this, okay, so this episode like really put the spotlight back in Shiv on a way that we haven't considered yeah. in basically two seasons. Yeah, so I think that Shiv is pretty much winning. Uh, like hands down, she's she's exactly where she wants to be. She's where she shouldn't be, and where women has have never been. Actually, she's in a room picking the American president, which is kind of crazy if you think about it, because everybody's like, "Oh, Shiv's losing. She she's doing all this." The fact that she even is there is actually kind of a miracle. So she's put herself in a position to be where 
Logan probably didn't want her to be, but she did all of those things when he was unwell. He speaks to the fact that he was feeling unwell and she's talking shit to him in the car and he kind of has to just take it. You know, he tries to spin it on her in the end by making her take the picture, but she doesn't really have a real political ideology. I think it's all just farcical. She just wants to say that so she can be the antithesis of what her brothers and her family is. Like, I don't think she really, really genuinely cares about politics. She's interested in power, which she has a lot of right now. I think it's a very generous reading of Shiv's uh, current situation. I think that that's, uh, I think Shiv demonstrated once again that she's probably the dumbest of the Roy children. Um, that, that, no, yeah, no, no, that no, no, no. We haven't gotten to Kendall yet. So, I still think that Kendall, you know, for all his, you know, he, he no. you know, for all his he like risks. crazy daddy issues, um, you know, that, that, that kind of drive him, that he is not as, naive as she is she just doesn't have the uh, he just doesn't have the 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 alphaness to like stand up to his dad in the right way but like he he made the right movie just didn't have the follow-through like she constantly makes the dumbest like okay she picks the salgado the the latinx guy and um, she did that you know? <laughs> just because he approached her and tried to make a deal right like she's only yeah, doing that because it would serve her if totally he somehow made it to the top but, but she the thing is, is smart she, enough to know that Boyard wouldn't win. She does know that. Sure. Right. But like she chooses, she, she hitches her star to the fourth option. Like yeah, right. he wasn't even like, he wasn't even ahead of Connor, like in, right. in her dad's right. estimation as to who was going to potentially, like he wasn't even like the, first of all, her, her big, her big, uh, move was to yeah. try to convince her dad to switch parties, which right. is like just that was so preposterously thing. stupid and you know, like completely naive. That um, was just and the then, thing of Shiv when we met her was basically Bernie Sanders campaign manager, yeah, and then right. two years later finds herself at a GOP, like I don't yeah. even know, clan meeting. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, uh, hey, but, you know what? Maybe like this isn't the way for Waystar. Yeah. And, and they're like, looks they, at her they like, all look at her like, are you fucking insane? Like they don't even entertain the idea. Nah. Um, and then but, failing that, she 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 hitches her 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 star to this guy Salgado's, uh, and and again, just like doesn't even come close to to convincing anyone that that they should that they should support him. That like again, I think that the order was. You know, Minkin, who ended up like getting the 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 support. I think probably after that, it was Connor. probably Connor. Connor, then he, Boyer. he sold the shit out of himself in this yeah. episode. Yeah, Connor did. did. Then yeah, Boyer, did. Yeah, and then I the fucking, like me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and so yeah, I think Shiv just like absolutely again just got outplayed, uh, outwitted, and out really just not understanding her own father by Roman, you know, like she has no idea who her father is. Whereas Roman really doesn't really does understand it. Roman is, has all kinds of weird sexual hangups and we could probably talk about that because there was some weird fucking homoerotic tension going on in that episode. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe I was too drunk. I was, I was a little drunk last night when I watched it. Um, and I was like, do these guys want to fuck each other or something? I thought, I thought that was coming. Him and Macon were definitely feeling each other. Yeah. And I was like, Um, whoa, this is, uh, this might go to that next level. But I think, And I, and I, like I said in the first, very first episode, I'm a chivalry apologist, but I think one of her big blind spots, like all the kids have huge blind spots, is that she gets drunk on power. And anytime she gets a little bit of power, she just tries to overexert her will to the point of like belligerence and annoyance. And yes, she obviously does not see that 
of course, like your dad will never be a Democrat. That's the dumbest thing you could have possibly said. But I think that she just wants to say what she wants, you know? And like, even she says it, she's like, my opinion counts more. Like, why? Who the fuck says that? You know, well, that's, but okay, that's, but that's, how- that's her problem, right? Is that she doesn't understand power. She thinks yeah. power is handed to you by the referee in the sky. Right. That there's a referee in the sky who is saying like who is like adjudicating, Okay, you have these credentials because you've done this, this and that. Therefore, your opinion matters more in this kind of situation. And that's just not how power works ever. Power is there for those who take it, just who see it have the balls to just go and fucking take it. Um, and she doesn't understand that. She's constantly asking for um, recognition and affirmation from, like I said, the referee in the sky because of her like upbringing and, and her like kind of elite training and all that stuff. She thinks that she's what's called like a credentialist. She thinks that the credentials that you present at the door are what hit, hand you the ability to make decisions. And this is not true ever in any, in ever in human history. It's power is there right. for those who have the, wherewithal and the gall to take it. So like in this episode, she's begging her dad to recognize uh, her for, you know, quote unquote, saving the company. And he just tells her to go, yeah, I'll give you a fucking uh, medal uh, if you want it. She's then like in the room, pathetically saying like, my opinion counts more because I have experience uh, on a failed uh, presidential campaign. Um, And, you know, everyone just like looks at her and laughs at her because like, that's just a ridiculous thing to say. Um, and she said the same, and it's the same thing. It's the same version of the thing when she was like asking her dad, like, okay, I'm president. What does that mean? The dad's like, whatever the fuck it wants you to, you want it to mean, you know, like, but, but but I will say there's no rule book that says like, this is what this is, you know? Right. I will say this. The only common thread that I actually saw from this episode and last episode is what I think Shiv did, which is she's with Salgado mainly because she can manipulate him. She can't manipulate Mankin. And what she did with Sandy, Sandy's daughter, Sandy, uh, was the same thing. She had that same kind of sidebar conversation. And like Salgado was her literally her only choice because nobody's going to pick Boyer. She would never pick Connor and she can't manipulate Mankin. So she kind of has to go that way. It sounded to me a lot more like Salgado was manipulating her, you know, right? that Salgado was going for the moonshot, like that he knows that you know, that he, he's a long shot to get the Roy endorsement. You know, he, he spotted the weakling in the group and was like, I'll make you CEO if you make me president. And, uh, and she bit, you know, even though he was the dumbest choice, like yes. he manipulated her to have a prayer at the endorsement. If not, like he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even have been brought up in the room. Um, so it sounds yeah, to me more like man that she, yeah, it sounds to me more like she was being manipulated by him, not vice versa. You know, but that's the thing is Shiv always thinks that she's like, there, there was a line um, in, I think, I think it was Aria last season that said that you think you're smarter than you actually are. And that's what she yeah. is. She thinks she's the smartest person in the room and she's actually kind of the dumbest all the, often. Yeah. It seemed yeah, like no. she had some history with Mankin and that she was familiar with working him or with him or dealing with him or knew him in some context and was very, very adamantly against him. But yes, I think... The main thing was that she wanted none of these options. She wanted to switch. She wanted to just go way too far outside the box. And then kind of just because she had to throw out a name, she threw out the name of the dude that threw himself in front of her and said, you know, I got you or whatever. So yeah, yeah. I, I thought Shiv just really, really got worked in this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, this was Roman's playground, you know, yeah. and, that, and that obviously leads us to Mankin. The Pander and- King, Roman Roy. 
and and you know i mean there it couldn't have been a more homeoerotic episode for roman um you know he had a similar uh kind of bathroom conversation i think with the billionaire uh, middle eastern guy i think in either season one or season two yeah that was, that was season two where they end up buying the soccer team together yeah and exactly. he buys the wrong one right he buys the <laughs> yeah. wrong one yeah yeah and so yeah, Ro- yeah. <laughs> yeah so roman is kind of known for having these weird um yeah like broy relationships with guys and um you know, he kind of falls in love very fast, you know, that's his thing. And so he saw Mankin saw him and spotted him kind of almost as a mark at the bar, pulls up on him and sparks up a conversation and two lines in, you can see the hearts forming over Roman's eyes, you know, and um, obviously Mankin is, is down, you know, Ravenhood's lane of, Travis Bickle and Hitler and Franco and, or H as he is H. so eloquently called them. Uh, and, you know, fascism and the uh, pro pro uh, pro life and all these. Uh, and Roman know. is into him because he thinks it would be the best for ATN. Yeah. Yeah. For entertainment. Which is, and that's the thing, which is why which he understands Logan. Right. You know, yeah. he knows that that's what Logan's going to respond to. You yeah. know, and, and that he sees the he sees the presidential campaign as a correctly as a t, as a television show as an ongoing reality television show that we all watch. You know that it, there is no real democratic activities to be had within it. That we are just consumers and spectators in in a TV show. Um, it's like no different from sports or WWE or the fucking bachelor. Um, and, uh, and Roman correctly it's understood the big that three and, right there. Nando. you nailed it. That's yes. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and yeah, and that's, and that's why he ultimately ended up kind of winning the day. But, um, I, I, the, the, this, this character of Minkin is kind of interesting to me because like, I was thinking a lot about him after I was watching the show. Cause at first I was like, this is kind of like a, an odd mix. This guy, he's like slick at the same time that he's, He's like slick and witty uh, at the same time that he's like this kind of uh, far right type of uh, provocateur. Yeah, that's um, the word. I, he's a provocateur because it yeah. seems like he will say things just to garner a reaction. Totally. Which is the American right today. People. Yeah. Which is, which is what the American right traffics in today. The American right to gain power as a right winger today. This is why I think uh, of all the sort of politicians today on the right, um, the one that I think is going to have the most success succeeding Trump is going to be DeSantis because the way you me- the way you judge a Republican politician is by how mad he makes liberals. The more mad liberals get to uh, about someone, the more that person is going to achieve power within the Republican Party. Trump obviously was the king of that. Like Trump, everything he said like made liberals' hairs goes on fire, and the liberals never understood that the more a- the angrier they got the more power they gave him. So this guy Minkin clearly understands that, that he is a provocateur. That's what's going to give him power. It seems like he's way outside of the mainstream, but the more he the more he provokes and the more reaction he gets out of it, the more power he's going to get. But it's 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 to me, uh, uh, the, show, the show writers are kind of playing with this thought experiment um, because people would often say, what were... 
we're so lucky that we had Trump and he was just such a lazy buffoon that he didn't really do that much. Like he didn't really do that much, all things considered, um, while he was in office, like, uh, like he could have been way worse. Um, and so what these, what clearly like what they're going for is the thought, pro- thought, uh, thought experiment of what would happen if there was a Trump who wasn't like this lazy, uh, disgusting old brain rotting buffoon. Um, what if it was like a young intelligent guy who actually had energy and an ability to, um, you know, impose a lot of the stuff that he talks about, but the Trump just had no follow through on. Yeah, no, Jared Mankin is a handsome white guy. You know, he fits that Anglo view of what, you know, middle America would want to vote for supposedly. Um, so yeah, they obviously uh, set Roman up nicely, giving him a perfect candidate to uh, buy into Logan's uh, ideology of, you know, anti. Uh, what do you say? He's a climate denier. Uh, the climate yeah, would want that was somebody a else. Fucking great line, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when yes. the music hits and he walks <laughs> yeah. out of the room to go, fuck that's what assistant. I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right so I, and I, yeah, I love the part. Um, in the uh, in the ballroom, when Mankin basically says "fuck ATN," and yeah. you kind of see uh, the camera pan over to Logan, and he has a smirk on his face, and, and then you does know he he's just ask Roman later. He's like, "Did you think that was too much?" Or he, he talks to someone about how you know, oh, like maybe I maybe I maybe took it a step too far on that one. Again, Logan wants someone to tell him to go fuck himself. He'll respect that in a way. The world is racing to get back to normal and start meeting up in person again. But after the year we've all had, getting back to feeling normal takes time. I don't know about you guys. I've been feeling overwhelmed, flustered, just avalanche, stuck under this avalanche of things I have to do and people I have to see and people I got to talk to, Zoom meetings and emails. Hell, even this ad that I'm recording right now, I forgot that I had to do it. I'm doing it from a computer that's not even mine. It's really tough to do all of this when you feel like you're trying to handle it all by yourself. Do you feel like that? If you're feeling overwhelmed by it all, guess what? You're not alone. It's important to find the support you need to face those feelings and move forward. We all talk to our friends when we're experiencing issues, but they don't always give us the advice we need. I mean, think about it. They can't really give us unbiased feedback because they're involved in many of our interactions and how we are. What you really need is advice from a licensed professional. It can be refreshing and rewarding. When you're a low point, when you're in a low point, you might feel alone. But over 50% of Americans struggle with their mental health. We all need help sometimes, and asking for support when you need it is actually a sign of strength. Here's the idea. Use Talkspace. It's great. It's easy to use. It matches you with a licensed therapist and schedule live video sessions all from the comfort of your device. You can start messaging your therapist the same day you sign up. The app makes it easy to connect with the therapist that is licensed and on your schedule without having to wait weeks before your next appointment. You can go anywhere and take your therapist with you. Whether you're a parent, student, millennial, or just someone having a hard day, Talkspace can provide the support to help you feel better with a single message. Talkspace offers individual and couples therapy in addition to medication prescription services. Set goals with your therapist, and they can help make sure you're really progressing. Talkspace therapists help you develop the tools to cope in difficult times. 
It works around your schedule at your convenience. Send and receive unlimited message with send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the app. Schedule live video sessions with your licensed therapist from anywhere. Whether you're experiencing depression, anxiety, or other problems, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform to help you sort through any issue. Got thousands of licensed therapists available for you to match with, and they're experts in dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more to help you start feeling better. Start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code BOMB. That's $100 off when you use the code BOM at Talkspace.com. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. What do you make of us meeting the next presidential candidate, but never meeting the raisin. It's really an interesting show move uh, to put us in this process now after really removing us for a long time. I think it's a brilliant choice because I think it's heavily implied that the raisin, like you can't, the thing about having Trump in real life as president is that if you put him in a TV show or a version like him, you're never going to get it's, he's so sui generis and so fucking weird that if you had anyone doing like an impersonation of a Trump-like figure, it would come off as like really weird and 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 corny. Not it would good. just be corny. corny. Yeah, yeah, and it'd be too obvious. So they found this like really clever thing of like they gave him this nickname that kind of evokes something like Trump, and, you, and then you never see him, and then they kind of get rid of him, um, and then kind of move on to the next thing to sort of hint at the reality that that there was a sort of Trump-like figure, um, just like we had in 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 real life, without ever having to, you know, talk about, like, do we do we hire a Trump impersonator, or do we, do we just come up, make him, like, Fred Bump instead of Donald Trump, you know, or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, they, they kind of threaded that needle, I thought, pretty brilliantly. Yeah, no, I thought it was excellent because, like you said, they, they could have presented anybody who had some characteristics and it just would have came out 
like corny and false and just weird. And the way they skirted that and landed here, I thought was a brilliant piece of writing on their end. Um, But I was going to say, you know, um, it was funny to me watching the episode because even though that was the A plot of the, of the episode, it was in no way the most interesting (laughs) part. And I thought that um, Jeremy Strong, you know, like, He's they got to nominate him for an Emmy because the performance he gives in his limited scenes in this episode, I mean, are some of the best of the season. He's he's tremendous. You know, he makes me just despise him and everything that he does. Um, it, it's really just a, the from his body language when he's standing there in the hallway with Lisa Arthur and he's yelling and that people can hear are within earshot of him talking about uh you know, they're chicken shit and, you know, they don't, they're not uh, caring about the whistleblowers and all this. And they're just listening to what his dad says. It's, he's standing there kind of shoulders slumped a little bit, looking like a child. And, you know, it's just like, he's able to do all these magnificent mannerisms and just even in his diction and how he knows how to be just loud enough to be really annoying. It's like, I mean, he, he, he was excellent as, as, Kindle in this episode. I couldn't agree more, but I'm sorry to tell you, Jason, the Emmys are a tremendously flawed award show. And even if you got one, it doesn't matter. Nando, your thoughts? <laughs> well, um, I, I think someone should do a super cut because they've been doing this kind of on uh, ongoing joke throughout this season that every time Kendall walks into a room of people that work for him, he says some weird intro to things. So in this one, he walks into the room of all the lawyers like, hey there, paper people. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, when he goes to the writer's room of uh, of that show, the, or the Z-Way show, and he was like, hey there, clackety-clack geniuses or whatever. Uh, yeah. Like he, he just, every time he walks into a room, he has to come up with some awkward uh, way to to introduce himself to them. Um, but you yeah, should no, do I mean, it Larry agree. David style and go, Arashimase! <laughs> yeah, That'd be a crossover we all need. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm just imagining Larry David in, in succession. I can't think of like two more. I don't know. But um, the just the scene between him and Tom, both him and Tom uh, are incredible actors. I mean, the, the Michael McFadden who plays Tom is just like, absolutely, like in this episode, <laughs> he really goes through... Uh, you know, just an up and down trajectory. And then their final showdown, which was like, reminded me a little bit of, uh, of like the scene in heat, like in a yep. fucking diner, yeah. these yeah. two guys just sizing each other up and, and, and telling each other like what, what they, what they intend to do. And then Tom ultimately, and, you know, basically owns him, like owns Kendall and leaves him speechless, um, with such a quiet sincerity by saying, you know, I've seen you get fucked a lot of times. I've never seen your dad get fucked once. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I didn't. And, but he delivers that conversation. He delivers over. that with like pure, like this, you know, because all these characters all the time have a a, a mask on, a mask of like you know, uh, of like these witty comebacks of uh, you know, no one is ever sincere. That's the biggest crime you can have, you can do in 2021 is to be like just totally sincere. Um, everyone has like a layer, layers of irony, jokes, insults, all that shit, um, kind of masking uh, their interior self. And Tom, in that moment, just completely sheds it. Just is totally sincere. He's like, listen. I've been around the block, dude, and you get fucked all the time. And I've never seen him get fucked yeah. once. And Kendall just yeah, his so- face was like just 
I don't know. Devastation. Yeah. This this not, episode not, for Kendall was watching a boot come down on a bug in slow motion. Like it we've talked about the tonal shift from like the kind of zaniness of the shareholder meeting to now like we're picking the next president, blah blah. blah. But just the short amount of time that we've had in between here, Kendall's case has completely gone to shit. It's completely fallen apart. And he's pretty much doomed to the point where he's trying to pry Tom off as his yeah. leverage here. Yeah. So I feel like that was one of the best scenes in the history of the show, that diner scene. Yeah. Um, basically because of exactly what you just said, the layers that the characters speak to each other with and in um, is constant. The mask is almost never taken down. I don't, I can't really recall too many moments in the show when that has happened. Um, even in uh, Lisa Arthur's dressing down of Kendall, she does it in a very lawyerish way. You know, she doesn't tell him like you're a fucking idiot and asshole. She facts only from Lisa Arthur. She gave that. she gave him the lawyer speak dressed down like you've been act you acted high-handed and defensive then oscillated to wildly over familiar and glib <laughs> she said you undermined my status and didn't appear to be frank about your own involvement and it was like you know she was still like i'm telling you this as a boss ass bitch like this is what you're bullshit and that's only on. after but, he's been running his mouth non-stop yeah. coming out of the deposition or whatever it was and exactly. another great filmmaking thing that I love, we don't see him respond. We just hear him exposition to us. So I got some new kick-ass lawyers. And right. Like, oh, and, yeah. okay. Called her toxic. So then he has the, the meeting with Tom. And, you know, everything is pretty much falling apart for him at this point. Nobody else knows. And Tom is starting to sense this throughout the meet. You can see Tom get little inklings of what's going on with Kendall and how far off base he is. He already knows because he's within the circle. He just came from where everybody is at, right? He throws this at Kendall's face. is kind of like a cherry on top of the end. But Tom was not going to break his mask out of kind of respect for his own hierarchy in the family. And look, I'm not going to shit on you, even though I know you to talk shit to me. It wasn't until the moment when he pats Tom on the arm and tells him to basically show Shiv that he's the fucking man, which plays on one of Tom's own biggest insecurities. And that's when Tom was just like, fuck it. I'm about to let you have it. Yeah. <laughs> and at that moment he told him, he said, look, I'm ha I have, uh, haven't been around in a bit, my hunch is that you're going to get fucked. Because I've seen you get fucked a lot, and I've never seen Logan get fucked once. And, and, then, he, like, and then Kendall just pathetically snaps the, the photos. Yeah, and, and Tom's and face in that picture. Like, it's like, it's like, he's not even worried, you know? Um, yeah. He's not even worried about what Kendall's going to do. It's, it, I mean, it, it, it was amazing. I mean, and then the scene, the scene with uh, Shiv and Tom, where uh, you know he again all all he wants to do is talk about the fact that he's going to prison, and the last thing she wants to do is talk about the fact that he's going to prison. You know, she just does not want to fucking have that conversation anymore. She doesn't want to talk about it so bad. She actually tries to initiate sex. Yeah, she wants to fuck. <laughs> yeah. She'd rather fuck him than talk about him going to prison. And we know that um, she does not like to fuck him. No. Um, and, uh, that was another, just another heartbreaking thing. And again, 
shows um, the the sheer immorality of of Shiv, which again I think makes her like more of a hypocrite than someone like Roman who doesn't doesn't pretend to be a good person, you know, in any way, shape or form. Like, uh, again, Shiv, uh, makes these like high minded appeals to, uh, democracy and like whatever, you know, like anti-racism and whatever. And like the only reason why she opposed the other, she's took the other guys. Cause he was like, I'll make you CEO. Like it's, it's, it, it's a perfect critique of the emptiness of American liberalism today in which they don't believe in anything. They just kind of believe in these, uh, vague platitudes, but that are really just window dressing for um, naked self-interest. Uh, and the fact that in even in her own marriage, um, she's happy to see him go to prison just because it might help her uh, stay within the company uh, context and and get a shot at CEO. Because the easiest thing would be like, listen, we'll turn, we'll you know, we'll leave Waystar. We're still rich. We'll still be rich. Um, and we'll do something else and you know, you won't go to prison we'll just build a life together in a family. Um, but that is not on the table. When the moment for intimacy arrives, you need to be ready. Roman ready. You can't be fiddling around with your thing down there talking about, hold up. It just never usually happens to me. Whether you've been in a relationship for years or you're just getting started, having the confidence that comes from preparation means you're free to enjoy the moment when the moment comes, so that you can as well. Even though you are far from ordinary, the truth is ED is really common. In fact, 52% of guys aged 40 to 70 experience some form of erectile dysfunction. Go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M right now to speak to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional about erectile dysfunction and get $15 off your first month of treatment. As I said, this is very common. 52% of men between the ages of 40 and 70 will experience it. ED treatment can help you reconnect with your partner and rediscover the joy of sex. Roman system is completely confidential and totally discreet. There are no logos or labels on the packages. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan and if medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, convenient, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Don't go to some weird waiting room looking at these other guys that have God knows what kind of issues going on with them. Having people judge you. Don't do that, man. Just go online, complete your online visit today, connect with a U.S. licensed healthcare professional, take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BOM today, and if you're prescribed, get $15 off your first month of ED treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this fall. Make sure you're Roman ready. You know what? Your partner will thank you. So I think we should address this. Jason Concepcion, the great network, has a theory that Tom is wearing a wire. Mm. And the biggest indication of this would be his unwillingness to take off his shirt in the scene where she tries to seduce him. And also Obviously, the, fact we, that, yeah. the fact that he says that he's immune when, to right. Greg. When he spits that out. Yes. Yeah. That is another tell. So we've suspected for sure that Tom is up to something ever since that phone call that never got picked up in, I believe, episode three. 
And so what do you think of that? Like what, who is he trying to record here? Obviously Logan, but like he could, you know, this meeting with Kendall could be valid information as well. Like he could, he could be trying to just grab onto any piece of information. I think it's maybe a little bit much. I definitely think he's up to something, but I don't think it's as straightforward as he's got a wire on right now. Yeah. I don't know. I think that it's, to me, it seems like the case is falling apart and I don't think that he's even going to have to go to jail. Like, so I think it might end up being much ado about nothing. I think Tom might be. No, Tom was in Pride and Prejudice, not much ado about nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, I think Tom might be speaking to the, to the feds, but I don't think that he'll end up having to turn or maybe he'll do something to implicate himself that might be wholly unnecessary. The, the, the only, the only thing that makes me think that he's not yet wearing wire or that he's not yet immune is that his fear of prison seems very genuine. (laughs) You know, the obsession feels very genuine. The, the obsession with prison food and, you know, acclimating his body, uh, much like Rasputin drank a bit of arsenic every morning. He can acclimate his body to the prison food, (laughs) Uh, you know, um, that, that seems to me, I mean, if he's, if that's a put on then it's like incredible, but he's, um, he seems like genuinely afraid of going to prison and genuinely obsessed with it. Um, I mean, I, I honestly, like the, I, I think something's going to happen and he's going to be forced to make a choice. And I think that the narratively cohesive, uh, or coherent choice for Tom would be for him to ultimately betray Shiv. Like that they're set, they, they can't be setting it up more. They're fucking telegraphing it. Like every time they have a moment, um, they're like, it just gets worse and worse. Um, yeah, I, I agree kind for of, sure. Yeah. I felt kind of coming out of this episode, like there was a little bit of a window here for Shiv and Tom to jump to team Kendall. Yeah. It's, well, he's, he's, he's begging her to just, to just, be on his team, regardless of what it right. is. And she's not like, she's not doing that. And I think like, um, ultimately that's going to cause him to crack, you know, that, that, that ultimately he's just gonna, uh, you know, that that's, it's going to be enough. And he's just going to maybe try to take the whole thing down, but I don't know. Um, yeah, it's I wonder a, it's if he'll a, team up with cousin Greg. <laughs> yeah. It seems like Greg is, uh, man, he's not the guy that, you know, all the people, all the, the cutesy guy that everybody thought he was. What do you mean? Uh, he's the people's champ. He's suing Greenpeace. <laughs> They're celebrating him. Right. No, that can't. His his Greenpeace lawsuit couldn't have come at a better time. Right. And I mean, he's suing Greenpeace yeah. over a comment. Uh, right. Which they promoted. They promoted. They, which I which think that could be defamation. He's, that'll he's, hold up in a court of law if I've ever <laughs> been yeah, into easily. a law. Yeah. In yeah. A courtroom. I mean, so. Greg, what are you doing, buddy? You know, like he seemed to be in prime position last week and now he's over here just texting Kendall with no response, you know, not even the three dots. Just, well, I guess Kendall did respond once basically saying he might burn him. Um, But dude, just, just let it go. Even when he asked Greg, you know, I mean, when he asked Tom, like, could he take on his shit? And it's like, I mean, what was Tom going to say? You know, like, no, fuck you. Like Tom is basically just sitting there, just daydreaming about prison all day. So yeah, that was, that was a sweet little moment where Tom is up late at night. He looks at his phone. 
calls Greg, Greg and they go and get an, a shitty little diner meal. Yeah. And Greg is starting to think about the same prison blog, deep rabbit holes that Greg's uh, Tom's been in for months already. Yeah. And it's just, they, they're the only two people who could connect about how they just don't want to go to prison right now. Yeah. Um, Greg's just a spectacular idiot though. Right. I mean, he, he, like there's nothing Kendall can do to him. There's just nothing. I mean, no. he's, he, there's no, like, he just doesn't understand any of the legal implications. He, he got rid of his, his admittedly not to, um, you know, a, a available lawyer, but um, that was like the stupidest decision in the world. Now he's on his own. He doesn't know. He doesn't, he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And like, he just like Kendall can make these threats, even though it's very unlikely to me that, Kendall could actually burn him in any meaningful way. No, they're, like, they're baseless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like what could he actually do to him? And Kendall just knows that he's an idiot and he's just scaring him, you know, just to keep him kind of on his toes or that, or just to keep him suffering because he, he went over to the other side. He signed. Yeah, joint he was just agreement. trying to get him back. That's what, that's what that yeah. whole situation was. But I do, I did think that it was interesting how everything that Logan talked about. And I believe episode one, about how they were going to respond to the DOJ and to the Kendall situation has happened. They flooded the paper people with papers. Kendall's talking about how it might take five years and then everybody will forget about like, there was this sense of urgency that Kendall seemed to have that this was actually going to get explosive and settled soon. And now it's like, no, the bureaucratic process of, the law is going to just delay this to the point where it's not even an issue anymore. And Logan is picking presidents in the meantime. That was the best yeah. part. That was the the finisher to the diner conversation was Tom telling Ken, uh, Kendall. Yeah. So they're picking the president and you're here at a diner in the middle of the night by yourself, like desperately trying to get me. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to go with the people who are picking the president. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a sad moment for Kendall, man. I was like, I can't. How can you support that dude? He he seems so far off base. Man, like, it just <laughs> seems like he should probably get a bag of cocaine right now, right? Like that'll <laughs> really fix everything. You're right. We've got to be there at this point. Come well, on, baby. Well, I mean, it looks like he's gearing up to, for the biggest bag of cocaine, his 40th birthday bash. Exactly. Which yeah. is <laughs> what? Fuck the lawyers. What's the real plan? Where's the party at? Yeah, Who did he I mean, say he's going to get Chuck D? Did he say uh, Chuck yeah, D? Yeah. yeah. It's Weimar meets Carthage meets Dante meets oh, AI. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> antibiotic resistant superbugs. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, Man, I hope that's a whole episode. Please. Yes, yeah. no, oh, it's got to be. Yeah, so, yeah, we know Kendall's about to be face deep in a whole ounce of Coke and every other uh you know piece of candy he can get his eyes on so yeah i'm looking forward to next week who do we think won this week roman well, roman won the episode but logan is winning again and it's yeah. kind of yeah. scary how much he's winning right um so you say roman yeah roman i mean uh Roman was a, a nothing, uh, you know, he was a joke uh, within the context of the family at the start of the show, and now he's picking the president. Again, right. like, if you're going by that metric, like, Roman picked him. His elevator to pitch, his elevator pitch to Logan was perfect. All he had to say was two words, this guy is box office. 
Right. And that was it. Um, and, and he even got like a genuine moment of like, you did well, son from Logan. That wasn't like a manipulative thing. It was like, Logan was genuinely impressed, right. um, which for Roman must've been meant the world. Um, and now he may have as his ally or the guy that he, the, the guy that owes him, um, as if, if, if not the next president, at least the Republican nominee. Um, so yeah, he, he very much won. Yeah. I mean, I've been giving up to Roman all season. He's been, you know, hitting him with lines. Uh, he's been in all the meetings. He's showing up and showing out. Uh, it's funny cause Jerry kind of alluded to this a few episodes ago saying that he has his finger on the pulse of the culture and he's, yes. you know, and obviously he showed that in spades this episode. Um, again, I, I'm a big fan of Shiv. I know it looks like she lost this episode, but I just think this is not her field of ex- expertise. You know, she doesn't be- belong to, in a room of men picking the president, even though she loves politics, but it feels like a slight win for her to be able to, uh, be there and talk shit amongst the victors, especially seeing Connor who obviously lost. He's, I, he didn't get his dad's full support. I mean- not like a huge <laughs> loss, though. Like yeah. I would say, pretty. Uh, the fact that there was two Even a minutes in this show where we were about to put the full force of Waystar behind Connor Roy for president was pretty fucking hilarious. To yeah. Me. Well, no, Robert but- never going to let that happen. Roman was not going to let that go down. None of. Yeah. I mean, none of them <laughs> wanted it to happen. But uh, Shiv was just outright like, "No, I'm not even entertaining this." Is a thought. But you because know, who, actually, who's who's my winner? It's it's not a kid. Uh, it's Carrie. Oh, uh, <laughs> Carrie! Oh. Yeah, she's she's winning. She's killing everybody right now. She's coming for Marsha's crown. Okay, mm-hmm. so like when and it was funny because she has Logan has this thing where he he goes to the woman that he's interested in to to seek and source his opinion. They were all in the room talking about who they like, and she came in and she yep. said. Oh yeah, the base really likes him, and that was his opinion, and he ran with that for the rest of the time. Yeah, and, and everybody just kind of looked at her when she talked, and they were yeah, like, like, "Oh, you have the power to okay. say something." Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and she did, and so you know, she's obviously got Logan's ear. Um, yeah, I I got to give it up to her. She's moving Wait. up in the la- in the Duh. world. The final moment of Shiv when they're going to take the picture with this Minkin guy and she's like, I can't do it. I can't be see, you know, taking a picture with this guy because uh, he's a racist, fascist, you know, who says things like, it's just a fact that people trust people who look like themselves, you know, which mm-hmm. is just like a very kind of clever uh, right wing trope. But, um, uh, you know, like her standing up to Logan in which she just completely like overpowered her. And she was like, okay, I'll take the picture, but I won't stand next to him. It's like the most pathetic bit of resistance you could ever imagine. Yeah. Um, which again is a commentary that, you know, the liberals cannot stop, uh, cannot stop fascists. They never, they didn't do it in Weimar Germany and they won't do it in, uh, in 2021. Um, 
that they just are, they offer up the most pathetic resistance ever because they don't believe in anything, you know? So, uh, they just believe the whole thing. In, yeah. in the referee in the sky, maybe, maybe getting mad at them every once in a while. Um, but Shiv doesn't thought, even believe in God. Shiv doesn't believe in no, anything. No, I don't mean, I don't mean God. I mean like. Nando's this, talking like, about the flying spaghetti monster, Jason. Yeah. That flying, makes all the decisions. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, exactly. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, it's more, it's not so much God. It's more like the God of, you know, the, the person adjudicating responsibility yeah. and justice, you know, the, justice. the concept of justice personified yeah. holding the scales. Yeah. Gotcha. It's like, the, it's, it's a, the t- whether the teacher is going to give me a good grade on my paper or not, you know, like uh, right. that's who she believes in. Um, yeah. And, uh, and she, at the end, she just caves like pathetically and just offers up this kind of limp dick resistance, which is just like, yeah, I'm not going to stand right next to him. Yeah, it's like, okay, I'm not going to, like, fucking kiss him on the mouth um, while he's while, while we're taking the picture, but I'll, I'll, I'll stand and support him. It was just, like, such a perfect commentary from the showrunners on the reality of America 2021, which we have this kind of um, insane, uh, ascendant, uh, fascistic right wing that just gets more and more um, kind of um, libidinal by any by every fucking passing month. Um, and then this just kind of limp liberal resistance to it. That is just absolutely pathetic and doesn't do anything, you know, like, uh, to, to actually stop anything. Um, and that was that whole scene in a nutshell. But we never believed that Shiv was, Shiv was a real liberal though. She was no, always masquerading. Compared to her family, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah more, in, in comparison she probably to like her... genuinely is like a, a liberal, like much like Lisa Arthur probably is a liberal and much like Kendall's a liberal. Like they don't, but that's the whole point is that liberals today, this was different in the 1970s and like in the New Deal era where they like actually had kind of beliefs is when liberalism was ascendant, right? And from the 30s to the 70s. And, you know, ever since then, we've lived in a kind of right-wing ascendancy. But um, when the liberals were ascendant and kind of dominating American culture and politics, um, they did believe in things. Like, they did they they did believe in things and they passed big, bold reforms and they, uh, you know, did all kinds of shit. Um, now, they're just like a totally hollow, empty thing. It's just more of a, it's more of a pose than anything else. You know, and that's what that's what they are. I mean, they're they're genuine in that sense that they they are kind of liberals. They're just modern day liberals, and that they're full of shit. Right. Yeah. I just I guess in my mind, I could never see Shiv like supporting AOC or Rashida Tlaib. She supported she supported <laughs> Bernie Sanders in the thing in in the in in the last campaign. Right. Again, right. probably because I don't know. Maybe she just thought it was a you know. Uh, I doubt it was for, for, for kind of genuine reasons. Um, but she saw it as a, as an opportunity to be, uh, in the world of liberal politics, like in that right. milieu or in that community. Right. Um, and I think a big part of it is her trying to escape the shadow of her incredibly conservative family. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Be yeah. the, the black sheep as it were yeah. politically. Right. Yeah. And so that, that was kind of how I reached my conclusion was that, She's in a place where she can get her shit off. She's not outcast and she's using Tom to do her bidding and he's doing it seemingly gleefully at this point. You know, he's going to take the fall. Everybody knows it. They keep repeating it. So she's got, she's at the seat of power. She's doing her thing. Obviously she had the wrong position. Roman beat her in this, you know, little back and forth, but this is over. And next week she gets to sit in the boss's chair and still do what she wants to do. Um, Kendall, on the other hand, is fucked. He's completely fucked. I can't see a way out for him. 
at all. And uh, I think, but there's a lot of season left. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of season left. Yeah. They're not going to leave it like this. That you need up and downs and drama. <laughs> yeah. When one man is down, that means he's only got one way to go. And now that Logan is winning everything, he's only got one way to go, and that is down. That yeah. is how TV drama works. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so what, I suspect so, there's going to be something. So um, what do we see at Kendall's birthday next episode? What do we see? I'm hoping for some Stewie. Hoping for a Chuck D succession cameo. That'd be pretty dope. I'm hoping for basically Prague again, like the Prague episode. L to the OG. You know, yeah. maybe maybe Tom will swallow his own load again. You never know. <laughs> like this shit could get nuts. Yeah, I hope L to the OG a freestyle. Yeah, break in the middle of it. You know, shut everything down so he can rap some more. Maybe Squiggle be on the decks. I see some heat. I see some sort of mental breakdown. I feel like that was, I don't know if you guys watched the preview, um, but I think he was like screaming, it's supposed to be my birthday or something, but I definitely <laughs> feel like this is my party and I can cry yep. if I want to vibes yep. going at Kendall's mm-hmm. 40th. So that's what I see happening. Yeah, I, I watched it in Mexico and they didn't have, they didn't even have a, they didn't have a recap and they didn't have the preview of next week's episode. Uh, so I actually haven't seen it, but that sounds, that sounds about right. Uh, but maybe it'll be his rock bottom. And then when someone hits rock bottom in, in a TV show, they have nowhere to go, but up. Yeah. yeah. Come back up. Nowhere to go. Um, so, yeah. So what what are our uh, favorite lines in this episode? I want to shout out another repeated line. Like mm-hmm. we talked about riffing previously. Last episode, Kendall comes into the room and says, let's trip the light. Fantastic. This time, Roman says it. Yes. Which is <laughs> attributed to John Milton's 1645 poem, L'Allegro. Mm-hmm. Where come and trip it as ye go on the light, fantastic toe. Mm. Nice. And that just also I, makes me think of when uh is it is it Mankin who asks Shiv if she's read Plato? Yes, yeah, it's oh Mankin. God, yeah. so good. And, and she's like, Yeah, I fucking read Plato. <laughs> but she has it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but but it was that was such a perfect political argument right uh, there because it's like he knows that's something that he can ask the average like semi-intellectual person to stop the argument right there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. then they can go back and forth because even if she had like the argument just escalates to the place where no normal por- person can understand what they're talking about. Yeah. Um or de-escalates to where it went, which is where exactly he wanted it to go. So, no, that was a brilliant chess move by him. Um, I have, like, three lines. Well, actually, I, I used the, the my favorite line, which was uh, Tom's... Uh, Seen him get fucked. <laughs> yeah, Tom's yeah. breakdown of, of Kendall. Also, major cuck vibes from Tom in that the way he phrased that. Like, I've literally yeah. seen you get fucked yeah. a bunch of times. Yeah, captain of the Tampa Bay Cuccaneers. Oh my God, that was the funniest line. That was a hilarious line. I did not see that one coming. The Tampa Bay Cuccaneers. Yeah, that was great. Um, yeah. No, there was a yeah. The, uh, the Plato thing is was was hilarious to me because uh, conservatives be loving their Plato. Like uh, he is the uh, conservative philosopher. Um, you know, par excellence. And uh, that was just like such a funny little clever uh, thing to include in there. Um, and, you know, that's like what you see that like on the fucking right wing blogs and shit all the time. But like, you know, 
Plato, actually, you know, the smart Greek guy didn't believe in democracy, Um, you know? Uh, So that was, that was a great moment. Um, There was a a great moment where a a great comeback from Roman when, um, you know, Shiv is like going on about like, you know, how this guy Minkin is like a threat to the fabric of America or whatever. Um, and Roman says something like along the lines of, you know, you have like a trophy husband and a bunch of fur coats, like you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Which is true. Um, yeah, that was great. Um, uh, my, you guys talked about how much you loved the, the Tom Kendall diner scene and how it evoked heat. My favorite yeah. diner scene of the episode was Tom and Greg eating the yeah. food. Yeah. And Tom telling... Greg to approach his omelet like as if it were Afghanistan, start in the yeah. middle and establish a base of operations, then go out to secure ah, further area. So good. Meanwhile, yeah. Greg hit me right in the heart when he said, I just feel because of my physical length, I could be a target for all kinds of misadventures in prison. And then Tom tells him that you got to take 30 to 50% off of the taste. Of yeah. The endlessly right. salty gym mat that you're eating right now. No, and there was a there was that great little I mean basically a throwaway scene um right before Tom and Shiv have their uh their big showdown where they I guess they invested in in a in a winery or a vineyard. <laughs> oh, the um, shitty wine. Yeah. Yeah, and they're like trying to talk themselves into it. It's like you have to meet it halfway. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a like, yeah. it's earthy. It's earthy. It's earthy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Agriculture. Yeah. yeah. It's very Base of ag- agriculture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Ooh, it's a I, twist off. Ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> and I like yeah. the scene at the end where uh, Tom and Greg are meeting at breakfast. And uh, Tom has seen Greg the night before. And he says, look like you were having a whale of a time flying on the wings of white power. (laughs) Greg says, I was commandeered. He said, and then Tom asked him, he said, did it feel good as the fascist hoisted you aloft like the Stanley Cup? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought that this episode... Was It was just trying to do probably too much with all these new characters. Like, I could have used a little bit of, like, integration of anything about any of these candidates before literally getting in the room with Logan halfway through the episode and having to make a choice. Mm -hmm. But I thought the margins of this episode were fantastic. Like, everything with Kendall, everything with Tom, every little bit of Greg the Egg. I thought all of that filled it in really well. well. Even that, even, even Logan, uh, basically cucking uh, the vice president by telling him to fetch him a Coke, yep. which I think is, and a, then well, Macon all, brought the Coke, brought the Coke savvily, but did it in a way that wasn't like too grovelly, you know, mm-hmm. that was the, that was the whole point of that. But um, first of all, that, I think that's kind of a callback to the, the, the scene between Greg and, yep. and Logan, where yep. Greg <laughs> orders the rum and Coke, Greg, Gregory at Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, but there was a, I remember perfectly well in the 2016 uh, Republican primary campaign, um, where Trump was just like, just like owning everyone all the time. He was so much the center of attention. Like everyone, he was like the sun and every other candidate was like a planet revolving around him. Um, and you know, there was all these guys kind of trying to out bluster him, you know, um, uh, whether it was Marco Rubio, I remember he had that big meltdown on the stage where he, re- he kept on repeating the same thing over and over again. Uh, but the other funny story, which I, I want to think that the writers of the show kind of is, is this is what they referenced is that there was a story that came out that Trump made Chris Christie get his McDonald's order for him 
you know, um, like to like that they were going to meet at some point, like when Trump was going to win the nomination. And then apparently he told Chris Christie to grab his McDonald's like on the way over, um, which, by the way, Trump likes filet of fish. That's his that's his order. Um, but uh, and, and then Chris Christie's team had to deny it and all this shit. And it was just like a hilarious little news cycle. Um, and that's what Logan does to the vice president, the freaking vice president who he calls Dave. He doesn't even call Mr. Vice President, which is what you're supposed to do, no matter who you are or, or where you are or like how, you know, in what situation, like you, you do not call the president or the vice president um, by their name. Um, and so I thought that that was a brilliant li- little choice um, in, in by the writers to, to show just the just how the domination works and how you're supposed to react to it. Yeah, he dominated everybody this episode. Logan was king of the hill. For sure. This has been the week's edition of Machiavellian Fucks, our recap podcast about the HBO show Succession. This was season three, episode six. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. You'll be listening to this on the day after Thanksgiving. I hope you aren't too full and can enjoy some good quality podcasting. For Jason Madison, Anthony Mays, I'm Nando Vila. See you next week. your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.